Well, good morning. Everybody doing well? Good, good. We'll be in Daniel chapter 6 today. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, Pastor Scott said that my kids were sweet kids, and he clearly was not in the hotel room with us last night and this morning. Um, But, no, we've enjoyed our time. Um, I will say this, that, um, so, kind of like... I do have a bunch of kids. I've got four kids. They're, they're back there. And every time we've, we've come over here a couple times uh, to look at houses and meet and, and just that sort of thing. And uh, the kids are always, you know, 15 minutes into the drive, like, are we there yet? Uh, and they also can't comprehend that, that we're still in Kentucky. Like, their mind is blown by that. Um, but anyways, where I'm going with that is, is in the same way that my kids have, every time we get in the car, they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's, that's kind of how I've looked at this day. Because I think um, it was back in late August, maybe, early September, when our first sort of contact was made. It was Roland, wherever he's at, back, gave me a call. And, uh, and we've been looking forward to this day since that day. So this has been a long time coming. And um, I feel like I've been the one that's like looking at my calendar, just, ah, are we there yet? Uh, and we're here. So I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I do want to, just a couple, I'll make my introductory comments brief, but I do want to say um, just to Pastor Scott, to the search committee, uh, to the staff that I've had the pleasure of meeting so far, um, you have all made us feel welcome. You've made us feel like uh, we're at home and cared for, and just to know that we've been prayed for, uh, we, we appreciate that. And in uh, a season that has been difficult for us in a lot of ways, like we're all going through a difficult season, I get that. Um, it's you guys have been evidences of God's grace in our lives. And so we want to thank you for that. Uh, and I do want to say this also as kind of a commendation to you. I told the campus over at uh, Springfield, I told them this as well. Uh, during the interview process, uh, even though they were interviewing me, uh, they let me kind of ask some questions of the, the committee and the staff. And so one of the questions I asked everybody was just, what do you love about Valley Creek? And without exception, Without exception, everyone said, it's the people. Right? It's, it's the people. It's you. You are the reason that they love what they do, uh, that they love showing up every week, week in and week out, even in the middle of pandemics and everything else, uh, because, they, because they love you. And so that's encouraging to me. Uh, I hope that's encouraging to you uh, as well. But we're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Like I said, we're going to continue in uh, the series on uh, the, the unbroken, God's unbroken plan uh, throughout Scripture and uh, specifically throughout the Old Testament. And I know I haven't been here in, in the last few weeks uh, or at all, ever, but, <laughs> but um, I'm thankful for technology and that we get to uh, listen in on podcasts and watch the videos. And so I will shout out the tech team. I did this over there too. The tech team, how many of you guys are football fans? I'm a big football fan. Just my card's on the table. I'm a UK fan. I don't know if that changes things this morning. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Okay. Uh, and I, I'm one of the weird ones that's more of a UK football fan than a basketball fan. So, I mean, I love them both. But uh, the tech team is like the offensive line in football. Like, you don't realize what they're doing until something messes up, right? So, kudos to you guys for getting the videos and the audio feed to where people like me, two hours away, can hear it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, anyways, all that to say, uh, we're not going to continue where... Uh, Pastor Scott, Pastor Andrew uh, have been taking us, I think Sean's been speaking some as well over the last few weeks. So we're going to continue in that. And I know anytime we talk about 
the book of Daniel, or the story of Daniel, that's familiar to many of us. If you grew up in church, if you grew up in Sunday school, maybe you remember, does anybody remember the flannel graph? Yes. All right. I said it to my kids, and they're like, what? Are you, what? Okay. Uh, but anyways, it's one, it's one of, Daniel's a flannel graph story, right? We know the story of Daniel. We know uh, rejecting the king's food. We know how his friends were thrown in to the fiery furnace. We know what we're going to look at today, the story of the lions, uh, the lions in. And so it's easy for us to come to Daniel and say, yeah, I know that. There's, there's nothing more for me to learn. And, and maybe you might not any, learn anything else today. Maybe you're just going to be reminded of what you already know. But what I want us to do is, is as we read this morning, it's easy for us to look at Daniel's life and read through the story of Daniel and say, um, man, I need to be more like Daniel. I need to have more faith. I need to pray more. I need to uh, you know, walk in obedience more consistently. And, and all those things are true. If you read Daniel and that's what you come away with, that's good. But that's not the whole story. Right? When we read the story of Daniel, the reality is that God is doing something under the surface. Right? It's, it's not just, I need to be like Daniel, though that's good. It's the question I want to frame us, uh, frame kind of our, our time together this morning is, is what is God up to? Right? We're talking about God's unbroken plan. So what is God up to in Daniel's life, in Daniel's story, through Daniel? Like what, what is he doing? What is he trying to bring about? Uh, and my hope is that, that at the end, you're going to see like, okay, God is at work in Daniel's story. Okay, God is at work in Daniel's story. So just a couple things in the way of context. Um, where we arrive at uh, the story kind of in God's plan of redemption here is God's people find themselves in exile. I know that was the case last week. Uh, it was with, uh, Pastor Scott over at Springfield, and um, here they were talking about um, just this un, the, the unbroken plan of redemption. They find themselves in, in exile, right? They are uh, in Babylonian captivity, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 2 says that the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his, that's Nebuchadnezzar's, hands. So, so even this, right, as, as difficult as it is for us to comprehend, right, the fact that God's people are in captivity is part of God's plan for his people. Right? They find themselves in a place of opposition for a reason, because God, in reasons that maybe we couldn't understand in the moment, but we know now, right, God gave his people over to to exile. Right, and that, that kind of frames the big idea this morning. Right? The big idea is that God works through opposition. Right? God works through opposition. We're going to tease that out a little bit, um, but, but that's kind of the, the foundation of everything today is that God works through opposition. Right? So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, uh, and where we arrive at Daniel chapter 6, um, he is an, an older man. Okay, we know in Daniel chapter 1, again, if you're familiar with the story, Daniel is one of the, uh, the youth, one of the young people, teenagers, uh, we estimate about probably, probably in his teens, brought into uh, the king's palace. And he was brought into the king's palace to learn the Babylonian culture, to be trained in that. Uh, again, even in that, we see God's sort of hand and guiding that, that God gave uh, Daniel wisdom and God gave him uh, intelligence and God gave him favor uh, as he's interacting with uh, the, the people in the king's palace. But he finds himself there as, as part of God's plan. But when we get to Daniel chapter 6, we are further along in the story. Okay, It's only a few chapters in our Bibles, but it's decades in the story of Daniel. So where we meet Daniel in, in chapter 6 is he's an older 
man, probably in his 60s or 70s. If you're here in your 60s or 70s, I'm not saying you're an older man, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, all right? Um, so anyways, that's where we find Daniel. So for, for years, for years, he's lived as a faithful citizen of an earthly kingdom, even though it was antagonistic, largely antagonistic towards his faith in the God that he worshiped. But we also know that, that Daniel, in the midst of that, lives as a faithful citizen of a kingdom that's not of this world. Right, and we're going to see that in the story. So, Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. We'll read through it. Not the whole thing. I'm going to read through a, a few verses at a time, and then we'll, we'll work through it. So, starting in verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius, so he's the king at the time, King Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom David was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So where we meet Daniel is, again, he's been in captivity for years and years and years and years, uh, but he's remained faithful. And so now he's at this point where he's about to, uh, to be uh, kind of elevated to a position of, of influence and leadership and maybe some authority. So I would imagine this is probably one of the, the best places that uh, one of the Israelites could be in, in captivity. Right? He's, in a, he's about to be in a good spot. In fact, it says he's going to be, uh, I did this in the first service and it kind of flopped. So I'm, I'm, this is vulnerable right now. Are there any Hamilton fans? Okay, all right. So Daniel is going to be the king's right-hand man. Some of you guys are with me. Some of you guys are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. That's okay. It's on Disney Plus, Hamilton. It's fun. Okay. So Daniel's going to be the right-hand man to King Darius. And it's at this point that, that things begin to fall apart. As we see in verse 4, or at least from a, uh, a limited perspective, start to fall apart. Here's what happens in verse 4. It says, Then the king... Or then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So remember, for years, Daniel's been living in this, uh, this culture, in this kingdom that is antagonistic towards his faith. Right? And yet, uh, after years and years and years and years of service, his peers decide, we're going we're gonna to get him demoted. And so they go to find some dirt on Daniel, but they've got nothing. Right? They can't find anything. Which is saying something to, for him to live this long in a, uh, in a society that was antagonistic towards what he believed. That they've got nothing on Daniel. So this was in today's world. Like they're going through... Uh, old Facebook posts, they're going through the old tweets, they're looking at tax returns, they want to know what has this guy done or said or where has he been that would be incriminating, that would bring reproach upon him. And they've looked and they've digged and they've searched and they've got nothing on the guy. And so they realize if we're going to catch this guy in something, it's going to be in connection to the God that he worships, which says that even in this culture that was antagonistic towards him, the people around him still knew that he worshipped the God of Israel. Right? He, didn't, he didn't back down. He didn't 
uh, hide it. Right? He lived faithfully, yes, as a citizen in exile, but lived faithfully as a citizen, like I said, of a kingdom that was not of this world, as a citizen of God's kingdom. So go on in verse 6, it says, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So his peers, Daniel's peers, decide, okay, if we're going to catch this guy, we've got to do it in connection with his God. And so they go to the only man that has authority over Daniel, only earthly man that has authority over Daniel at this point, and they go to the king. And they know to get the king on their side, what they've got to do is they've got to inflate his ego a little bit, right? Because that's, that's what works for kings, right? You inflate their ego, you make them feel good about themselves, and they're on your side. And so they go to King Darius and they say, King, only you are worthy of honor. That's, that's my paraphrase, right? Only you are worthy to hear the requests of people. In fact, King, here's what you should do. You should sign an order, Right, you should sign an injunction that says if anyone makes a petition or prayer to someone other than you, king, that they should be thrown into the den of lions. Right, so they, they go to the king, he set up this petition, and the king says, you know what? That sounds pretty good. Right, I like that. That makes me feel good about myself. And so the king signs the order, and here's what happens next. You guys know the story. Verse 10, it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now here's, here's what I love about this. It says that Daniel knew the order had been signed. He wasn't, he wasn't acting in ignorance. He wasn't like off somewhere else and had no idea what was going on. Uh, behind closed doors with the, the king signing this, uh, this injunction. Daniel knew what was going on. And it says he goes back to his house and he goes back to this room and he drops to his knees and he prays. And, and I love what it says. And it says that he did the same thing as he had done previously. In other words, this is, this is nothing new for Daniel. Right, this is not... This is not, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I guess I'll pray. This is, this is his life, as he had done previously, day in and day out, habitually, right? Daniel goes and he's praying to his God, as he had done previously. So, so today, the day that he's faced with the reality that his life might come to an end because of his obedience to God, what does he do? The same thing he's done all along. Which is, like this is not the, the main point for us today, uh, but... But I think there's an implication there that, that the things that we do on the ordinary days are oftentimes the things that are going to sustain us in the dark days. Right? Which is maybe a good diagnostic question for us. Like, what, is, what does day-to-day look like right now? Because, right? listen, here's what I know. Just being honest with you. Sometimes, like, I'll, I'll have quiet times in the morning where I'm reading and I'm praying. 
Right? And I'll read like whatever is on my reading plan for the day, and I'll come away from it and be like, I don't know what to do with that. Am I the only one? Anybody? Right? You're reading it, and you're like, especially when you get in the Old Testament prophets, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Right? But could it be that God is in those moments, even though I don't know he's doing something, the reality is what he's doing is, is putting something in me that's going to sustain me for some time down the road when I really need it. Right? And so we see, we see Daniel's, that happening to Daniel here. So for Daniel, nothing had changed, even in the face of death. He goes and he does what he's done all along. Verse 11. I'll read a big chunk here. It says, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near, and they said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? So they're asking a rhetorical question to remind the king of what he's done. And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And then Daniel's peers answered, and they said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Okay, keep that in mind. We're going to come back to it. Verse 15. It says, Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Right, so Daniel is accused right, by his peers. He's delivered to the king. And then the king realizes that his decree is going to end up with Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. And, and the king is like devastated by that. Right, that this, this man that he set up to be his right-hand man is, is by his own law, is going to be cast into the den of lions. And the law can't be revoked. Right? And it says that the king, uh, he labored. Right? He labored to try and reverse it, but, but it could not be reversed because of the law. And so Daniel's cast into the lion's den. And the king cries out. My, my guess is maybe the king, it's almost just like a, a Hail Mary, right? Like, I, I hope God can deliver you. Right? And he's, he's sent into the lion's den, and then the king goes home, and it says he's so distressed, uh, he's so anxious that he tosses and he turns all night because he was powerless to save Daniel. All right? But here's what happens the next morning. It says, verse 19, Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now the, it says the king cried out in anguish. So I imagine the king shows up the next morning, rushes to the scene, 
And he cries out expecting to hear nothing, expecting to see nothing but a pile of leftovers. Right? But here's what happens. Verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. So here we have Daniel delivered. Like unharmed, not even, uh, not even a scratch on him. And I love that. Uh, I love what Scripture says, both in this story and if you rewind and you find the story of Daniel's friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown in the fiery furnace and they're delivered. And it says that not even the smell of smoke was on them. Like, is that even possible? You guys have been at a campfire and you just come home and you're like, "What in the world?" Right? But even, even Daniel, thrown into a den with hungry lions, who's who's like by their very nature, they destroy, right? It's like, have you guys ever seen the shows where um, some of those like shocking videos, shocking footage caught on, on tape where like some guy will be in a, in a, like a lion tamer and then the lion attacks him. And it's like, we're supposed to be surprised by that. Like that's what they do, you know? And so Daniel is thrown into this lion's den, but he comes out unharmed, unscathed. No teeth marks, no claw marks, nothing, because God had protected him. And I love the, the contrast. If you go back to verse 14, where the king's trying to deliver Daniel, and it says that, uh, that he labored till the sun went down, but he could not rescue him. And then here you have God. The king was trying to rescue Daniel from some paperwork. And here's God that's like, that's cute. Um, I, I, know, I know that you were up and you, I know you, you had a hard night sleeping last night. Uh, while you were doing that, just so you know, I was over here shutting the mouths of one of creation's apex predators. So, right? <laughs> it's this incredible image, right? But, but the story of Daniel is not done with Daniel's deliverance here because look what happens in verses 24 through 28. It says, And the king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. But I really want you to listen to what happens in these next few verses. It says, Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, People are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The story doesn't end with Daniel being delivered, as incredible as that is. Right? The story ends with kind of a, a flip of the script because where, where like the, the action really started in the story of Daniel is when Daniel's peers go to the king and they say, King, only you are worthy of honor. 
Only you are worthy uh, to, be, to receive the petitions and prayers of people. Only you are worthy of that. And yet the story ends with that king sending a decree to all peoples and all nations and all languages saying the God of Daniel is worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. That's, that's what God is up to in this story. Right? God works through opposition. God works, and this is what's happened in the story of Daniel. He's worked through opposition, but I want to leave us with kind of with two, two takeaways from Daniel's story. The first one is this, that God works through opposition for the good of his people. Right? God works through, the opposi- through opposition for the good of his people. And the, kind of the first place we see this is in uh, salvation or deliverance. All right, this is Daniel's story. Daniel's facing death, and yet God acts in the midst of that to, to literally save his life from the mouths of lions. Right? But, but the same is true for us. Because we, because of our sin, we face something much more dangerous than, than a lion. Right? Eternal punishment is, is what we deserve. Right? By our nature, like apart from Jesus, before Christ, like we, we live in opposition to God. It's, it's who we are. It's foundational to who we are. We are born into sin is what the scriptures would tell us. So by our very nature, we are found to be in opposition to God. But the good news is the same God that delivered Daniel from the lions and also delivers us from our sin. Right? We, we're no longer enemies of the cross, as, as Paul would say, right? The good news of the gospel is that God invites us. He works in our opposition, our opposition to him. He comes in and he gives us a new heart and he changes our heart and he changes our desires. Right? And he, he meets us in our messiness, in our opposition. As Paul says, he meets us while we are still sinners. Right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us so that, so that we no longer have to be um, Enemies of the cross are in opposition to God, but we can be brought near, reconciled, right? adopted. If you're here this morning and you've never, you've never put your trust in Jesus, you've never repented of your sin, believed on Jesus to save you from the penalty of your sin, you're living in opposition to God. But the good news is you don't have to stay there. The good news is that God has extended an invitation to you in and through his son. So that if you, would, if you would repent of your sin and believe on him, you move from enemy to a child of God. All right, that's what we celebrate this season in, in Christmas. Is, I love what uh, I think it was Jonathan leading worship was talking about. We, we talk about um, the birth of Jesus and we sing about that as we should. But the reality is that Christmas is... Uh, about how God sent his son so that ultimately we could be God's children. That's, the Christmas story is just the beginning of that story because the story culminates in, in Jesus as a grown man, as we sing about right, being uh, rejected by his peers like Daniel was, right, being uh, put into a, into a tomb crucified, dead, put into a tomb, 
left for dead like Daniel was, but resurrected so that you and I could have forgiveness and freedom from our sin. So God works through opposition for the good of his people, for salvation, for deliverance. He also works through opposition to sanctify or to grow his people. Right? It's, it's in those, those seasons of opposition and challenge and struggle and pain that, that God uses to grow us. Right? I, I don't remember where I read it. It just came to mind, a quote I read once, that, that God gets a lot of mileage through pain and difficulty. Because it's in those seasons where we learn to rely and depend on him all the more. Right? It's been a challenging year. It's been a challenging year for anybody? <laughs> yeah. Right? I can say the same thing too. And yet it's in that that we learn, we learn to trust and depend and rely on who God is, on his goodness, on his grace, on his mercy, on his power, on his provision. And through that, we are sanctified. We are made more and more and more into the image of Christ. So God works through opposition for the good of his people, but God also works through opposition for his glory. Right? That's how the story of Daniel ended. We just read. I won't go back and read it. Right? But, but God takes this opposition that Daniel faced, right? this incredible difficulty that he found himself faced with, and ultimately that's the, God, that's the thing that God used to bring himself glory, not just in Daniel's life, not just there in the Babylonian empire, but it says to every people, every nation, every language in all the earth, God was glorified through Daniel's opposition, right? And that's the reason that you and I go through opposition is so that ultimately, ultimately, God would be glorified, right? So I didn't do this in the first service, but Here's what I know. So it's, it's been a challenging year for everybody. Um, I didn't realize what a challenging year it had even been for us until my wife wrote something the other day, and I was just like, I forgot that was this year. That feels like it was three years ago. Right? Anybody else? Like, we've, we've went through some difficult stuff this year. And I also think Pastor Scott and, and the search committee and the staff, and they've talked about some of the challenges that this campus has faced. Right? I know that. And I appreciate his transparency in that. But could it be, whether it's kind of the, the, the opposition that we faced as a family, the difficulties we faced, the difficulties that maybe this campus in, in particular has faced, could it be that, that God is up to something? For our good, for your good, but more importantly, for his glory. Amen. In E-Town, the surrounding community, ultimately to the ends of the earth. Amen. Right, because God works through opposition for your good, for my good, for his glory. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning and uh, just thankful for your word. Um, like, like Pastor Scott said to start the service, um, my hope this morning is just that, that, that your word would be what is heard and received. So if there's anything that I've said that's confusing, I pray that you would, you would remove that, clarify that, that by your spirit, you would clarify your word in our hearts this morning, that we would, that we would be a people that, that leave here knowing that in our opposition, 
you are at work. That you are at work for our good, to save and to deliver and to rescue, to sanctify us, to grow us, to conform us more and more into the image of Christ. We thank you for the the promise of that. And then, Father, maybe there's someone here in this room, like in this moment, that they've had a hard time listening because of what they're walking through right now. Maybe, maybe you would remind them today that you are at work, even if they can't see it. Help them to trust it and believe it. And Lord, I pray that ultimately we would see that our difficulties, our challenges are for your glory. I pray for for this, this campus in particular and in my life in particular, that you would use the difficulties of, of the last year, the last year and a half to make your name known in E-Town and ultimately to the ends of the earth. So Lord, we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.